Hey, this this is how this started, like an average UAP session, I'd say. <laughs> this is about as successful as it is. Someone forgot the laptop. Someone struggles with the mic. Someone doesn't have headphones. There's someone a bit of lag. Issues. <laughs> it's beautiful. Like, I feel like I'm back in UAP, man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Okay, so I switched up the audio settings a little bit, and now I can barely hear myself loop, which is at least I'm not bothered by it as much. Um, this is the best we can do for me, I guess. But it's fine. I'm yeah. And I have a phone recording, so hopefully it will be work out fine. Perfect. So um, j j j just as um, as we were like loading in and stuff, um, Matt Delaney was on the call, and then we we kind of remembered that uh, one of the sessions we had in common was in uh, in Albania. Was it Vlore session? Or did they call it Tirana? Because it was like it was over over a couple of cities, right? I think it was Tirana. We went to Durish every single day, back and forth. And I remember a certain point we were at the beach. So yes, uh, I guess I guess it was Tirana. Yeah. So it, it was this session where um, the the accommodation was a little bit bougie because uh, so the, the ministers in Albania, they have their own kind of holiday complex on the beach and we managed to get that for the session. <laughs> so we were staying in the minister's holiday complex um, and it was a lovely little thing and it had a private beach. So we had private beach parties. That was awesome. One night we had a random minister who actually rocked up to say hi and saw all of us partying and stuff. And we're like, yeah, you know, this is this, this is how we do stuff. We just party on the beach. Um, but but I remember that, yeah, we, we may not have treated that place the way we should have. Um, there were a few incidents of people losing keys. And I do remember on one of the nights, the, the president of the session came up to me and said, Nathan, I've lost my key and there's stuff in the room that I really need for the for, for a training in a second. And I'm like, well, what do you want me to do about it? He said, well, there's no one there at reception, so I need you to kick my door down. <laughs> I'm like, we are literally staying in the holiday complex that belongs to the ministers of Albania. And I have the president of the session here coming up to me. This was... This was back in like 2013 or 2014, something like that. And he came up to me and literally asked me, can I kick his door down? And of course, I was delighted. So I said, yes. So we walked over, went over to that door. And I think it took two kicks, two like good kicks. And I, I, I tried to make sure I, the first one was absolutely pathetic. And I realized all the stuff I did wrong. And the second one, I was like, you know what? This is EOP session. I should learn. I should train myself. And then I kind of corrected my technique and I kicked that door down. To then realize that he found his key a few seconds later. Ah, oh, shit, son. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. That's uh, that that's that's how you do sessions. <laughs> you gotta get some chaos in. I can't just fucking use keys all the time. This reminds me of like, well, like in Lviv, this was Carlos Sauna. He was um, he was just stealing people's key cards and collecting them. Uh, and uh, like he, he would never go into the rooms. He just like, we're drinking. He just like, and they're all exactly the same. So at some point someone came up to Carlos and was like, I know you have my key card. He's like, yes, I do. And he pulls out like a stack that's about, I don't know, like good 50 fucking keys. And it's like, good luck with this shit. And that's like, I think someone actually went and just went through them until they found the right one and just got into the room. Uh, <laughs> 
the receptionists were out they used to us asking for new keys there some of me and some other people like they actually knew where we lived because it was like bailey is like hey i don't have a key again they're like yeah okay sure uh they were very nice though very, very nice in replacing the keys <laughs> Uh, concerning weird accommodations, I remember that once uh, at session in Italy, uh, we were staying up on a hill in a kind of monastery. It was not really a monastery, but a place where priests were gathering for trainings in summer. And it was in the middle of nowhere. It was really very foggy. You couldn't see anything. It was like, you know, living in Silent Hill. And... Um, and there was no phone signal, so at a certain point there was just one spot in which the signal was working and people were queuing up to get their, their phone time. And the priest gave us the place, but they didn't want to pay for the heating. <laughs> I mean, EYPers are very huggy people, so you can always warm each other up and all that, like in a bunch uh, so up. So it ended up like 10, 15 people sleeping in the same room. Uh, because it was really, really cold, so that was, uh, that was pretty weird. Yeah. I, I always found that so strange. We have like, yeah, we have great, great sponsors. These people are giving us a whole venue for free, and then it's like, yeah, there, but there's no heating, and they arrange a construction for the entire building for <laughs> everyone there. <laughs> it's a, it's a, a bit of generosity, a bit of uh, forward thinking, I guess. <laughs> and this was like in. Uh, in the in the French IS, like we had two different hotels and they were like a bus ride away from each other, so you couldn't really walk. And obviously we're all partying, everything's good, and at some point we gotta go back to the hotels and like a bunch of people were like, Well, we're not splitting up the crew that we were chilling with. Um, so a lot of people got into the bus of the not their hotel. Uh and we went to the hotel room and at some point, like in our room, it's like a room meant for like three people and it would still be kind of tight like there's a double bed oh no there's a double bed and two bunk beds i think it was like 15 16 people sleeping in there in the double bed like people were just on their side <laughs> and it's just like eight people just just cuddling basically just and bunk beds had some people the floor had some people uh it was it was beautiful i mean like that's that's what uip is all about just uh solving <laughs> solving <laughs> there's that problem solving <laughs> exactly see uh uh, heating is optional when you want to play Tetris with the UIPs, right? You see, like, how you can slot them in one to the other, one to the other, one to the other, and you don't need heating and stuff. Exactly. So, Martinelli, I feel like you're just making a big deal of that, like, no heating in the cold <laughs> and this, like, mountain thing for nothing. I mean, people have body heat. <laughs> yeah, I was really fine with that, especially those days the coin game was still on. So, you know, I've been playing Oof. coin game during the building, sleeping five people in the same bed, totally fine. Uh, not enough space in the bed, sleeping in a corridor, totally fine still. Exactly. On, on the coin game, though, a beautiful moment, I remember, I was presiding a session in Lithuania, and I, like, it was the time where like, the, like, people were discussing whether we should ban some games or not, but nothing was banned just yet. And yeah, like I remember, like, we're outside. Uh, our cha my chairs are doing team building. It's like fucking, I don't know, 40 minutes in. And I look up and two committees are doing the coin game uh, outside in the fucking park. <laughs> People walking next to it. It was like the first 40 minutes, they've done like two energizers maybe. And I was like, that's, I mean, regardless of how the game uh, is problematic or whatever, 
first 40 minutes and two chairs are like, do you want to do a coin game between the committees? And you're like, yeah, let's, uh, <laughs> let's just go for it. <laughs> the standards have changed a lot. Oh boy. Yeah. I remember talent, talent 2012. We were, um, uh, I was a delegate at the time. It was like summer S and my committee, we, we, we would always want to push the limits of the, the games and the things that we wanted to do and stuff like this, as you do, like in those kind of sessions. And yeah, we're like coin game. Yeah, let's do coin game. And then someone's like, let's let's spice this up. Coin game sixty nine. So <laughs> you <and> then <laughs> one person yes, this, this way, actually one happened person more than once. And then you always have your face between the crotch of someone else as you're trying to pass over that coin. <laughs> <laughs> the extra bit of spice. <laughs> yeah, things have changed. Ah, uh, yes, I was a journalist there, and I think I shamelessly <laughs> took pictures of that. And I also remember once people made a coin game plus the suck and blow game. No. Yes, yes, intense. yes. Yeah, that's, that's also really tough. hard. Like, the amount of coordination you have to have to have, like, the coin game. Like, I think we played this, like, I think this, some, I remember we told, like, a chair, like, as, a de- as delegates that, like, oh, yeah, we played the coin game. They're like, you know about the suck and blow game? We're like, what? So we explained that, and we we're like, "Huh, we could combine those." It's a uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a beautiful way to train your agility, so to speak. Um, thankfully, those are still evening games, though. But uh, yeah, fuck yeah, combining and 60, 69ing with a coin game. Um, <laughs> uh, our chair, like to, to give him, like it, it was a uh, Andre Chavez. And he was like, I, I, I have nothing to do with this. If you guys want to do this, I'm going to walk away. I will be back in 15 minutes. You do you, but I'm having nothing to do with that. Also, like, to be honest, like, the, 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 when it comes to fuck-ups, like, right, like, I mean, I remember being in sessions where the organizers like, oh, shit, we're like 10, 15 minutes late. This is bad, whatever. Come on, like, let's go. We're losing time. Or, like, president's getting really stressed that the chairs are not going to have the ability to fulfill their whole plan. And that was Lviv, like the IS, uh, where I was a delegate. Where uh, So, like, you have to be downstairs at, I don't remember the exact dance, but let's say 10. So, wake up at, like, 10.30, take a shower, go get some breakfast, slowly get down and wait for the other half of your committee. Like, we, I think, never left, like, within an hour of the actual leaving time. We, I think, we was always way late. <laughs> no one was ever on time. <laughs> Um, but I gotta say, like, there was, it was nice in a sense that, like, uh, people didn't, no one got to worry. I think, again, I was a delegate, so I assume as a president, this was hella annoying, but as delegates, we never really noticed how annoyed the chairs might be that they're losing, like, two hours of their work time every day (laughs) because they're just lazy. Uh, (laughs) but, uh, again, and besides, we had, like, a lobby bar there, uh, which is, like, I mean, for Easterners, it was cheap. But then, like, when the Scandinavian people started doing the match, they were like, wait, so this is basically free, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> like, in a lobby bar, beers would be, like, 2 to 50. And you're like, okay, yeah, this, this, this works. <laughs> and at some point, I remember there was an organizer who was appointed to, like, watch over the delegates in the bar. And that's like me and a few other people, we carried that organizer to one of the delegates rooms so he would sleep it off because he got way too drunk. Uh, <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> <It's a> different <laughs> time. 
<laughs> and organizers of watching or what you're doing, don't worry, just get them so wasted they won't know what you're doing. No, that was the. Pl- I think some delegates actively tried to get them drunk and get, got some them drinks, and they're like, I guess, why not? And then, like, just didn't do the max appropriate. There's not that many things that have been straight up banned from EYP. Got <laughs> a handful of games and usage of uh, alcohol. Yeah, I was gonna say the, the alcohol side because, like, the the alcohol side. My God, the the amount of I feel as m- most of our stories that that we kind of like go through and say things that happen. I feel like alcohol is at least eighty five to ninety percent responsible for like that kind of stuff. I, I remember I was doing this uh, francophone session in Ukraine. And um, it, was, it was back when I used to, yeah, I used to drink way, way, way too much. You know, like a, a bottle of vodka would be easy to do in a night. And then you kind of move on to something else after. And yeah, I, I was like going way, way, way too much on that. And then um, uh, Mariam um, Conchuria, she was an auger there. She had like very recently joined UIP and stuff and like very fresh to all this stuff. And uh, she was always like trying out with her with her like three sentences of French in the francophone session to try to organize people left, right and center. And uh, and she was the only one in the evening who would actually carry on drinking with me because after everyone else goes to sleep, like, come on, Mariam, come on, Mariam, you're going to continue. She's like, yeah, yeah, I'll continue. So I get another bottle out and the two of us would continue every night. And then when it got to the last night... <laughs> like mariam you can do this you can do this and she put yeah she 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 probably drank way 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 too much to the extent that when she passed out i may or may not have taken a permanent marker (laughs) and drew a penis on her face (laughs) and signed my name i signed it and then at like 6 a.m. that morning, I had to leave and she was asleep. So I just kind of hugged her and asleep and then I left. Um, and then only about a week later, I then found out what happened after I left, which is she was the auger making sure all of the delegates and everyone else from the session left the hostel properly the next day and kind of went all to their right things. And oh, only after organizing everyone throughout that morning and stuff, she then looked at the mirror <laughs> saw this huge penis on her face and my name signed there and i was the president of the session so everyone knew my name oh god oh oh wow (laughs) the implications of that right i mean that was horrible i I get but that's the beauty of uip right to see someone with a penis on their face and a name signed you go well maybe they're going for that look i don't know like I'm not going to point it out. Like, maybe that's that's intentional. I don't know. It could be. It, it might. It might as well be. That is brutal. Seeing like the, the delegate. Like imagine as a delegate, you're like, okay, is there an organizer who can help? Oh yeah. Okay. Um. Anyways, listen. <laughs> I need some help. And she was saying that pe- people just kept giving her looks all morning, and she just didn't understand why. <laughs> She just assumed people missed her and stuff. Yes. <laughs> that is beautiful. And, and another thing I, I, I find that a lot of things mess up in UIP is anything to do with uh, visas or passports or trying to get somewhere. I remember, I think that the, the time that I, I met Joel for the first time was in an um, Azerbaijani session, so it's in, in Baku. And the only reason why I presided that session is because the president literally had his passport eaten by his dog. 
Like, you know, everyone says that's an excuse. That, that classic thing at school, I'm sorry, my dog ate my homework. He literally had his passport eaten by his dog six days before. I have wow, the same that's, exact that's story been... happening to me, actually. Uh, like, I was supposed to chair a session in, in Austria, I believe. And, like, I spent a whole week writing the application and stuff, and, like, I applied. Uh, and I came right back from an Armenian regional, and my dog was waiting at home, and she, like, she, I think she missed me a lot. So she was so excited to see me, and I, like, I opened my suitcase, and I'm like, wait, girl, I'm just going to go get some food and, like, quickly come right back, and, like, I'll play with you, I'll walk you, all good. I come back like 10 minutes in uh, and like nothing is taken of the of the suitcase. She just took my passport and like eaten part of it. And I was supposed to apply for a visa the next day after that. So I called the embassy. They're like, no girl, no chance. And I called the president and I was like, I, I was thinking if I should come up with like a proper excuse that actually sounds like I mean it, you know, because I was like, oh, my dog is in my passport. She's like, your dog is what? And so I had to like legit send them the pictures and be like, yeah, this really happens. So that, that was crazy. But it, it does happen, yeah. I'm just guessing that pets, this is uh, your pet just sending you a message of like, you, you've been away for too long, so now I'm going to take away your opportunity to travel again. <laughs> that was it probably, yeah. <laughs> now, this reminds me though, like when we were going to the Ukrainian IS, uh, we met like the Latvian delegation, we met uh, the Estonian delegation in the same bus because we were taking bus because, you know, Fire tickets weren't that cheap, and also we were poor. Um, <laughs> so as we're in, on the Ukrainian border, I see that the Estonian delegates are struggling with the, with the passport control and everything. And I'm like, what the fuck's going on? Uh, as it turns out, I don't remember how many. I think it was two girls who took their ID cards, their EU ID cards with them to go to Ukraine, uh, which, as you might imagine, didn't exactly work out. Uh, so they legit had to like get off the bus and, uh, they got to the session two days later. So what they had to do, they went back to Warsaw somehow. I don't know how <clears throat> they asked their parents to mail them their passports. So they got the passports in Warsaw and they took the passports and they went to Ukraine. And I think, yeah, I think they arrived like two days late. I think they missed team building, something like that. And it was just like, but imagine... <laughs> Just can't imagine that feeling of missing those days. But then again, going to Ukraine, like, how do you not take a passport? Like, I mean, the, like, our, the Baltic countries don't need a visa, but still, though. <laughs> Joe, didn't someone do that in Yerevan? And uh, in Yerevan 2019, I think we had one of the delegates, because I remember people people kept sending around, yeah, I'm not sure you remember, um, like, we, Everyone kept sending that meme of that guy who's like, let me in, kind of thing. Because it was a Spanish delegate who flew over to Italy for a stopover and then went to get on the plane to go to Armenia <laughs> with the national ID <laughs> and then had to fly back home <laughs> to then pick up their passport to then fly back over and fly again. Oh, God. <laughs> I think I actually heard this story. Yeah. Can't imagine flying back for a document. How painful that Masha, did you want to say something? There's a huge wave of fear. <laughs> Sorry, no, I was just saying that it keeps happening like from session to session. And I feel like this is a very Western European kind of thing. Because like the East is so used to carrying the documents everywhere. Like I carry my passport when I go to the shop or something, okay? And then these like Western countries being like, oh, I decided to go like to the other part of the city and I figured I needed my passport. I don't even have an international passport. 
so they have to like make a passport for going to sessions and it, it like i can't get used to that and in that session um where the dog ate the president's passport so then i had to replace him um i um, I was in Ukraine at the time and I was like, cool, let's, um, I booked my flights to go from, from Kiev over to Baku and I went to board the flight and they said to me, okay, cool. Um, I kind of checked in, I showed them my passport and stuff. Um, and I was about to board the plane and they said, what about your visa? I was like, I don't know. I don't need a visa. It's okay. Like, okay. And they kind of like, let me walk through. And then as I was walking onto the plane, I was literally on that corridor bit where you go to get onto the plane. Somebody came running after me and said, stop, 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 stop. No, we need your visa. I was like, it, it's okay. I, I don't need. <laughs> they're like, yes, you do need a visa first. My job. I was like, D do I? I, I, I didn't. Do, do I need a visa? And then I kind of check and realize, yep, I do need a visa. So they said, no, nope, you're not going to get on this flight. And I thought, crap, the session starting in a couple of days, and now I'm the president because the pre the other president's pa passport was eaten by a dog, and there's me due to like, yeah, Western ignorance, um, not not actually flying over to the country. I'm like, okay, shit, I need to get a visa. And I check online and it takes about five days to get a visa. I was like, that's gonna be bad. Okay, is there any kind of shortcuts, any quick ways of getting this? And I found one website that they're like, yeah, we can get you a visa within two hours. I was like, okay, let's do this. Um, and then they they need you to have a flight booked and to give them the flight number. So I'm taking a gamble. It's like 10 p.m. in the evening. I'm like, okay, there's a 7 a.m. flight or 9 a.m. flight, something like this. Let, let's just book that one and then hope that these people manage to get the visa. Then you have to pay them another $200 or something like this. And then I kind of realized on hindsight that it was a little bit sketchy. And it seems like somebody in the embassy has a really, really nice like side income coming in here. And I helped contribute to that to be able to get into the country for the session. So what you're saying is you invested in the diploma, diplomatic relations <laughs> internationally. Is, uh, exactly. It's beautiful. <laughs> and then when I flew in, I then arrived in Baku and they wouldn't let me pass passport security. They were like, your passport is fake. I said, no, it's a, it's a real passport. They're like, it's so badly damaged and they're so, like, we can't actually read it at all and stuff. I'm like, yeah, it's probably been in the washing machine a few times and stuff like this. I don't know. Like, it's, it's always in my pocket when I go out clubbing because in the UK, you always have to have your passport with you to get into a club. And I'm like, well, it's, I know it's in really bad shape. And they're like, well, we don't think we can let you in. And they must have had a good 15 plus people one by one actually inspect the passport and kind of like check with it and stuff like this um, and see if the page was actually tearing. And and they got, got all these like magnifying glass things for the eyes, you know, those really like fancy things as they're looking at diamonds and they're looking at my passport and all the edges and stuff and then researching online to kind of check how they can validate it and stuff. And eventually they let me in. But for that same passport, I got banned from Ukraine, Turkey and Bulgaria. And they all said that I'm never not allowed to come back into the country until I change my passport. <laughs> and you're like, no, no, chill. It's just the visa that is fake. The passport is okay. Exactly. It's okay. It's okay. I, I, I can go through. It's, it's fine. You, you don't have to worry. You just need the confidence and everything and everything works out. <laughs> and the more damaged your passport gets, the more uh, good for you it would be to shave your beard, right? <laughs> just, just to not look sketchy, according to the airport people, so to speak. Um, 
Because, like, yeah, I remember this. Like, you've had this, right? Like, fucking full-on checks where they go through literally everything you have. Yeah. Like, what, what not many people know is that in, in airports, um, especially if you're on transits and stuff like that, um, in that corridor, just before you get to the, like, extra security where they check your stuff, um, a lot some of those walls are actually open-up walls. And I had that once where in Berlin, the wall actually opened up. A security guy came out to the crowd of about 100 of us there. Um, everyone looking very white, myself looking more Middle Eastern. They pull me out, take me into the security room. And then, yeah, they checked everything, every tiny thing. My socks, absolutely everything. Uh, luckily, um, there was no uh, latex gloves that came on. I managed to pass that bit. Uh, but outside of that, they literally went through checking everything for the next 15 to 20 minutes. And I said to them, I said, like, is this on a random basis? They're like, hmm. I was like, so do, do you have like a random counter or something? They're like, no. I was like, did you pick me because of my looks? They were like, yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Maybe they just wanted to see you naked, Nathan. Yeah. Do look kind of hot, especially they, in your airport gear. Uh, they had a thing for me. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder how many e-wipers have been stripped nude at an airport. Yeah, not that many. I don't think that many. I, I have. Like, I, you have? <laughs> I have. I was, fly, I was flying <laughs> f- directly off the departure day of an Albanian session into C- CGO day of a Swedish session. <laughs> at the airport, there's a couple of dogs going, Sir, could you step aside for us, please? <laughs> those moments and then you start thinking wait did i clean my pockets <laughs> <laughs> i just actually remi- remembered like one of the uh, my, my 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 most beautiful fuck-ups uh with video ips on arrivals was uh, how nathan became the vice president of a session for the first time in his uip career <laughs> so basically there was a lithuanian session i was there like accepted as a vp uh, but I had a lot of school things. Um, I was hella busy, like had uh, the the semester was coming to an end, and I just I just forgot. Like <laughs> I forgot, I missed, I I forgot the dates. So I thought it was the next week, and and at some point I remember, like I'm literally in school, and I get a text. It's like, where the fuck are you? And I'm like, ah shit, the session is starting, isn't it? Uh, so I quickly booked a bus and just got into it from straight from high school. I didn't even go home. I think just went into a bus and uh, came over. Uh, and yeah, and the president was like, okay, so I mean, you weren't here for the whole first day. It was just CGO I missed, right? Yeah, I didn't miss delegates, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and that's, how, that's, that's the story of how Nathan got promoted to a VP because I just wasn't there. And then the whole session, what a, what a session. Like, so the orgas are like, okay, so like you and Nathan, like we weren't friends at that point yet. Um, and they're like, okay, so we don't have many rooms. So you're gonna have to share an auditorium so like a uni auditorium with like with those leveled seats so you just have the front bit that's actually flat which you can use and two committees there me and nathan and just sharing that room and then at some point like i wasn't a vp and as a demoted vp we would still roam around other committees uh because uh well you know uh, we need we we felt like we needed to help out <laughs> and also that's where the idea came with the arranging of clauses right because before mm. like because there was it used to be that all the introductory and operative clauses like those first words it's just a big ass list yeah. and then since we had a lot of that was a belarus national session right yeah i think 
And a lot of delegates struggled with seeing the difference. And like, if you're not really, really good at English, there is no difference in those words. <laughs> there really isn't. Oh, and, uh, so yeah, I remember like we did like, we should, we should arrange these somewhat. And then we actually added like five or six words. No one noticed. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, that's how that that's how that was born. Like out just just out of a struggle of because someone asked what's the difference and we were like, I mean I can kind of I know it kind of but to explain it I mean I'm sorry it's just this one's better than that one just use this <laughs> that's it. Oh and also I remember this uh, will not name the expert does not matter but so there was an expert on on uh, on nukes uh, on <laughs> nuclear energy or whatever so i go into a committee room right and they're discussing how to deal with nuclear waste and i go in and what i hear is the expert telling them well i mean you could basically dump the nuclear waste into the middle of an ocean because by the time it reaches the shores it will probably not be that dangerous anymore like because the radiation would have weaned off and like been like spread out and that was a legit thing that an expert said to a committee where they're like, listen, if you drop it in the ocean, by the time it reaches humans, it's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. So then for one of the first times ever where I had to wait until the expert leaves and then go in and go, all right, listen, just just ignore. <laughs> don't, please don't take into account that expert. <laughs> I was a person apparently I educated, I think, a master's in, in nuclear science or something like that. And I was just like, so that's the thing, though. That's where I learned quite early that highly educated people who call themselves experts can have some really surprisingly bad takes on the their own field of expertise. And this, I assume, has happened in UIP as well. Like other times where experts say things and you go, how are you an expert with <laughs> this tech? <laughs> yeah, and sometimes the things they say are just so obscure. I remember in Yerevan <clears> that we had a, a topic on uh, minimizing impact, environmental impact of livestock. And we had an expert coming and tell us about all sorts of weird shit. And then during resolution typing, the board was like, yeah, these are our favorite clauses. It was just everything our experts said. That <laughs> just made the board laugh their asses off. So we once had an expert at a session that was uh, that we were asked to invite by the sponsors. Uh, and they were like, oh, yeah, we have this like amazing expert. You absolutely want to work with him if we're like sponsoring your session. And we we're like, good. And a few weeks before the session, I asked them, like, which committees is he going to be the expert for? And they're like, well, all of them. And I mean, like, what do you mean all of them? Like, there are six of them. They're like, yeah, he's just generally an expert. So he was, like, coming to different committee rooms, giving them, like, random advice on very random topics. And I believe Googling things in between. That was, like, very confusing. But that happens to me. <laughs> no, this is a real thing. Like, this is a real thing. Like, I've seen this. Or there's, like, oh, I got two experts. They're going to handle all the 10 committees. And you're like... How are the experts though? <laughs> but I guess it's just that something again, right? It's all about that confidence. You're just like, yeah, I'm smart, and uh, I'm an expert in one. Like honestly, like a big issue nowadays worldwide. Eh? People going, I'm an expert in one thing. I'm probably good at the others as well. <laughs> just assuming that knowledge. <laughs> They're literally just slightly older delegates. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's like it's experienced delis, baby. <laughs> and it's even worse. Uh, when your expert doesn't have time for the session, but he still wants to be in the sessions for some reasons, not even sponsor related. So he decides to come the very last day of committee work and he has his prep talk 
to the delegates and they're super enthusiastic about it and they go like, oh, this expert was so great. Let's rewrite the old resolution. And maybe you just have two hours before the end of committee work. I remember it, it didn't happen to me, but to, to a chair at an IS and she was desperate, but the delegates being super excited about rewriting every single clause and she was like, nope, not gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I remember, like, I think this was like, a, like, I remember, like, even as presiding, like the amount of times I had to convince organizers to go, okay, listen, you, you need the experts in the beginning, because otherwise this will happen where the delegates are like, oh, now that we know these things, we'd like to redo the, everything that we did for the last two or three days. And you're like, well, no, it's just, you just defend what you got. I mean, this is, but I, but some, some chairs though, like, right. So you had the rational reaction of like, we're not going to rewrite this and a lot of chairs do this, but there were some chairs who are like, fuck it, let's go. <laughs> let's do this. Let's remake. Let's make, let's remake it. And I've, I've seen this as well, when the chairs are on fire, the delis are sweating. just like 15 minutes. I'm like, listen, we, we got to get, start typing in like 20 minutes. You got how much, okay. You're starting on the operative clauses again. Okay. Um, well, good luck for that. And, uh, it would often like, that's the thing though, but I think this is a thing that I try to, imbuing the chairs is that often like chairs come up to me and like listen man my resolution is so shit it's really really bad and i'm like it doesn't it's not it's not your resolution it's the delegates like that's the beauty that's the beauty that's sometimes lost in uap where people got too excited about having quality solutions i mean let's be real here <laughs> not like reread any resolution that you weren't part of in that session and instantly you realize that it's a workout it's not, we're not actually creating anything that, that important, like that useful, so to speak. And, uh, just to kind of get, get into the chairs that listen, like it, it, it's, it doesn't like having to, having spent few days of forming an opinion that you get to defend is all the awesome. And if you get trashed, that's awesome. Like, like having that, oh yeah, I, I'm really good at this. I'm going to defend this. I, I read everything four days of work and someone just asks a question and you just crumble. <laughs> that's a beautiful feeling. It, it hurts, but I think that's, that's a very beautiful feeling when, like, when you're so confident and then someone just goes, you're gone. I remember when, um, when, when I started to do um, a different type of resolution typing, because uh, I would always see like resolution typing to be something that would last, what, eight to ten hours every time and it was always a nightmare so i was always like no we need to always finish resolution typing by midnight or by 1 a.m at latest you know how do we do it in a shorter time and it kind of hit me almost amazing to think that one second what are we doing in resolution typing why are you trying to change these clauses why are you trying to make sure everything's factual and that everything is perfect and that you twist what the delegates wrote to make it sound even smarter and all this stuff like no 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 let's just give easy access to content because I find we do that a lot. I remember I was in, um, I think, Valencia Nationals back in like 2014 or something. And the president at the time, I'm not going to say who, but was during resolution typing almost in tears and like having like almost like a panic attack of saying, I, this resolution is bad. This whole booklet is bad. Like these aren't the clauses that they're writing are not factual. This is a problem. We need to, to rework all of this. And I'm like, no, we are not doing that. Like that is not happening. You need to step back and you need to accept that they wrote this stuff and that it's just okay. Cause like Nick said, you know, that it's, it's like a workout. They're not actually trying to I remember. I remember though, like 
back in the day, like when I just started sharing like 2010, 11, something like that, like we in typing, like no one really explained the aim of it. And I remember myself and I know other chairs as well, just go, literally going for the fanciest phrasing possible. Like it was literally that. And then at some point we started talking about how, how do we make this as accessible as possible? Because sometimes phrasing mattered when it comes to like, once you thought about the sentence for two days straight, you can't really see it clearly. And then someone else looks at it, goes, listen, this, you need to rearrange this a little bit. And uh, yeah, like, people would like often overestimate the necessity for like super precise, like, oh, this body kind of does this, but actually there's this other body who kind of does it more directly. And you're like, oh, who the fuck, who cares? <laughs> I'm sorry, like, <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> and then eventually we got to a point, right? Where like typing became just, let's just make this sensible and let's just move on. Like, let's not worry too much about like this precise specific, but also in that uh, lieutenant session where we, me and Nathan met, like now it wouldn't matter for me, but back in the day, one of the biggest ego boosts I've ever had is during phrasing when I won an argument against a native speaker. Like, oh my God, like as a 17 or 18 year old, that felt, that felt so awesome. Oh my God, <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, I think EYP is taking this two weird directions and one of them is what we're talking about here. So let's just make things more accessible in resolutions. And the other direction is what we're kind of seeing also going is like, yeah, let's just keep up the academic level. It's like, I've heard of, AYP resolutions being taken to like ministries and shit. I was like, I just please don't. Like, <laughs> it's not anything smart. It, that's not yeah. the point of a resolution. The point yeah. of a resolution isn't to be academically qualified to be presented to someone who does this for a living. The point of a resolution is for delegates to express themselves. They're and... high schoolers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, they're not going to be experts on fucking nuclear energy. They might as well dump <laughs> the shit in the ocean. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was saying with the experts who literally advise you to dump stuff into water so that when it reaches the people, it might not be too dangerous any longer. The delegates might not be the worst experts, you know. Uh, but I think my biggest fuck up with the typing was not even about the content of the resolution as such. But the first time I was head organizing was also the first time I was an orga and the first time I was an official in general, like, hello, EYP Belarus. Uh, and then Ali was presiding the session and like, a few days before the session or even at the actual session, he comes up to me and he goes, well, and where are we doing the resotyping? Like, what's the plan for that? And I turn to him and I'm like, what is resotype? And he's like, oh, come on. You know, like when the, the academic team comes together and like they work on the resolutions and the VPs check it and then it gets to the present check and stuff. And I'm like, oh, so do you mean that is what is happening when the delegates party the night before GA, seriously? And he was like, no, no you are not telling me you didn't know that. So we had to like organize and rent an apartment and get a resotyping venue within like three hours because I just didn't know it existed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's how you learn. <laughs> yeah, and that, that happens for people that aren't even first time HOs, like first time <laughs> that have organized before. Because you just don't necessarily have that insight into what each specific team does. I remember having some very questionable um, chairs team time in a Turkish hotel in a prayer room, because that was just literally the only place that we could fit fit the entire chairs team in the hotel. Damn. <laughs> 
<laughs> remember <laughs> hearing seeing the head organizers' faces when I told them. It's like, well, you didn't get us anything. We're just going to use what we have. Uh, also, people sometimes forget about committee work venues. So I was in this session in Albania and we didn't have commit rooms for committee work. So we needed to squeeze like, an entire committee inside a hotel room. So like 12, 10 people inside someone's bedroom. Um, and you no know, people were like, but why do we need rooms for committee work? And it's like, you know, we kind of need to sit somewhere and we are there in the middle of nowhere. So, yep, uh, other rooms are going to be fine. Yeah, I think throughout the history of EYP, even in the past five years, every single ven type of venue has been just left out. Like, you know, what's uh, training rooms for CMO? You know, we have hotel. Just do it in your hotel room. And it's like, GA, what is GA? Let's just do it outside on a field. No, we did. Like, I remember I, I showed the session. This was like way, way, way back. I think it was my first year of EYP. Like EYP in Lafayette, that nationals get got a lot of people involved. So basically, for the like from the, the delegates from a national session in 2010 had organized like the next four or five sessions. We had we were kind of fresh and like there was a lot of like people that were excited to do things, but you know not love experience. Some people did better. I learned that I'm a terrible organizer. Uh, and uh, yeah, so at some point, like it was like something like one or two a.m. And yeah, the venue, the GA venue called us and they were like, ah, oh, yeah, we're canceling on you. I'm like, fuck you, me. It's 2 a.m. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> and they're like, they, they, I don't remember. There, there was some explanation. And um, so, yeah, I was like, okay, so it's the middle of the night. What to do, what to do. Thankfully, uh, in that city, we had the session. Uh, my, dad's cousin, uh, my dad's sister lives there and she's in charge of like a sports school. So what we did is imagine like a big ass arena with like the, where you can run around with the red tracks and everything. And there's like a balcony area, which is like a cafe basically, where you can still see the whole arena, but there's enough space for like 70 delegates or so. So we just set up chairs there. And like in the background, we had people sprinting, doing jumps, and we were doing a GA. <laughs> with that in the background. Uh, when everyone was fancy and there were people were going on their duffel bags, just sports mode and fancy people and like girls in dresses, dudes and like uh, all dressed up. Uh, it was it was a beautiful GA. Like we, we could you, as a, as president, you get to watch over people doing sports and your delegates. Like it's uh, <laughs> very multifunctional. That was the most desperate I've been. Where at 2 a.m. I'm like, how do I get a GA venue? Uh, but but it worked out like it wasn't great. It was pretty terrible. The sound was awful. People could barely hear each other because it was echo like a muffler. But it was it worked out. At the end of the day, we got to the end of a session. <laughs> I th I think genuinely that is the many things you can learn from EYP. But as, as soon as you start like organizing or like presiding or what even chairing, you think yeah, um, literally any role to be honest, you get to learn to work with what you got. Where you you put up those expectations, what this this this, and then like you come over and like oh we don't have any of what you asked for, and you're like oh okay, because I remember like there was an IS where some materials weren't given to us like as chairs, and we were like oh man, and then we would rant a little bit about it, and someone one of the chairs asked me is like aren't you upset because you don't really seem upset, and I'm like I'm just I've been to so many sessions where I don't have anything. At some point, I just set my expectation at zero. 
if I get anything more, like I've had committee rooms without fucking flip charts. Oh, we don't have any. It's like, what you just go to your backpack, pull out paper. This is what we're working on for today. Let's go. And um, yeah, I mean, like that's really, really cool that you get to learn to, you have nothing and you got to work with that. And then you get something extra and you're like, yay, we have materials. <laughs> yeah. And then that happens to you at like a, what's supposed to be a fancy session. I, my committee work in my IS was done in a room that smelled literally like shit. And <laughs> oh, oh the, God. It, it was like in the kind of the basement, there was tubing running through the like roof oh. and you could like hear whatever someone flushed. <laughs> did oh, did, did you at one point get some like uh, palisantos and start like to burn it to like... Yeah, yeah I, I, had, I, I had a brilliant <laughs> time. Smell? Trying to convince the head organizers that an incense stick is not going to set off a fire alarm. <laughs> Just now realizing that incense sticks are seriously under were seriously underused in UIP sessions, oh, uh, yeah. especially you know when we had those hotel rooms where there's like sixteen people sleeping in the same room, everyone's drunk as shit. I mean, in the morning, like you wake up, it's fine. Then you take a shower, you come back, you're like, damn. <laughs> There's a reason why there's a saying like smellagates, like, you know, we're, we're, especially when you're in the board and you go committee to committee and you open a, a room, you're like, oh, it just hits you of like <laughs> 13 sweaty teenagers yeah. <laughs> in yeah. a room, normally in summer or something like this, where it's quite hot. No, but that, I genuinely think that was like, the, like I, I took that as part of a responsibility as a, as a board member, even as a jury member. You go into a room, you go, all right, I'm going to open a window. It's just, <laughs> and like at some point, I remember going through literally pretty much every room and just like checking the delegates out because I was jury and just opening a window as I leave. And like, <laughs> good luck. Yeah. I, this may have been how GA socks started to be a thing in UAP, uh, not GA, sorry, recitating socks, where like the president would come in the room and be like, Hey, dear chairs team, we have like, uh, I have this like fancy socks for each of you as a present for recitating. So this, the smell thing, you might have been how this originated. That is, I've never heard of that, but that is genius. I totally do that. If I thought of that, just bring in socks for your chairs for the recitating. That would have been amazing. That is a great idea. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I don't when we're talking about like different GA venues and stuff. I remember back in 2011, um, I was a hoe. So I had on head organizing uh, French nationals and I I'm, I'm really bad at waking up to my alarm in the morning and I'm the person with the keys to the GA venue um, and everyone wakes up nice and early. I, I think I hear my alarm, but I don't know. And I basically sleep through my alarm, but luckily, you know, I'm sleeping with uh, one of my best friends, uh, Ollie, some of you may know. Yep. Thanks, you know him, Ollie. Good man, good man. <laughs> exactly. Um, and he, so he's an auger there and he's sharing the room with me. The thing is, he doesn't have ears. So, um, and he sleeps with his hearing device off. Um, so even if there was a plane that crashed the room, he wouldn't wake up. So <laughs> there's me who snores and can like sleep through anything. There's him who literally will not wake up unless you shake him. Um, and then we are the ones responsible for opening the GA venue with the keys and stuff. And then after sleeping way through my alarm, I think it was on like the fifth or sixth call on my phone. I suddenly woke up and saw all these missed calls. I'm like, what's going on? And I ring They're like, Nathan, we're in front of the GA venue. Where are you? I was like, ah, shit. Yeah. 
my bad. That, that that feeling though, like like I think everyone who's done like enough sessions in EOP has had that feeling where someone calls your texture and you're like your whole insides just drop down to your heels and you're like, oh, oh I oh I fucked up so bad, so <laughs> so bad. <laughs> But it's also a very valuable experience, though, where you get through that. You're like, okay, you apologize to literally everyone uh, a few times because it was you. It was just you. You fucked up. Bad. <laughs> and you go, yeah, okay. I'm, try not to do this again. That, that, that session was, a, it was actually a really cool and pretty unique session in a way because um, we normally, EYP France Nationals, um, tend to get about like 10 to 15K funding we managed to raise about 25 to 30 grand uh, for a three-day national. So I was in charge of budgeting. I went wild. Like we are the uh, the delegate party. We thought, okay, what is it about delegates that they do their parties and we want to make it easier for them? We realized that well, it's, it's dancing with lights on and people around you. It feels a bit awkward. So only the people who are really confident will do the dancing. The others will stand around in circles and kind of like watch them awkwardly. So we thought, how do we change this up? So we, uh, <laughs> we, we, we took this like big room and we blocked out all of the lights so we got these like uh i don't know curtain kind of like blackout material to black out all of the light and then covered the place only in ultraviolet light on the inside we got these black t-shirts with our logo on it and then we had a stand outside with uv paint and then the organs would be throwing uv paint on all the delegates <laughs> covering them awesome. in all these different colors then go in and you just do whatever you want and it looked amazing Damn, that's that's a great way to improve people's dance moves. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, we went wild budgeting in that session. Then the GA venue, instead of saying, "Okay, you know what? Let's just have some like random caterer bring in some food," we had because it was in in Brittany in France, um, and like 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 uh, crepe and stuff like this and galette. This isn't really French; it's more Breton, which is like a sub part of France. Um, and it's a very, very traditional Breton thing. So then we got the kind of very traditional people to come in fully dressed in their costumes, like making all these like mini crepes and stuff like that. And it was like this really, really like fancy meal stuff. Yeah, we blew a ridiculous amount of money on things we <laughs> that were just almost pointless, but were kind of fun at the time. Talking about wasting money, like the most impressive, it wasn't waste, I'd say it was just spending money not as the governing body would prefer <laughs> uh, which was a Swedish regional I think yeah and uh, they had loads of money and they were about to have like some kind of crazy grant so they were like we don't even have to save right now we just we just need to get rid of this money so going into the media this wasn't even the organizers room this was the media room you go in and they had a slushy machine just a fully operational slushy machine. And like, and you just like, I was a journalist there, so you just go in, get yourself a slushie, and then you go, you gotta go see how the delegates are doing. So you just sit in there with a the fucking slushie. It was, it was beautiful. And like, they had the reason though, like the reason they got the slushie machine, they also got a popcorn machine, was because they were organizing a movie night the next day, and which was really cool. But they actually rented both of them for the whole session. And yeah, just free slushies constantly as a media member, like seemed very wasteful, but I appreciated it. <laughs> How to get your entire official steam sugar high for the entire session. Yeah, exactly. Which is what you, what you need. Cause like 
like I, I am so impressed by how back in the day I could go like what like five six days sleeping average like three hours a night and it, it weren't fine but you could handle it right <laughs> I remember mo moments where like I remember talking to someone and like legit having like those memento moments where like I'm suddenly walking and I'm like I think I had the like some like literally live drops where I'm realizing I'm not where I was or like I don't remember the last few minutes of what I did and that like and then you go this is bad I need a nap right now I remember don't remember where but in some GA as president at some point I just looked at my VPs as like listen I need a nap so I just kind of slid under the table <laughs> and told them to wake me up after the debate was over uh passed out and the VP is like oh the next debate is coming up I was like I right, just like climb up <laughs> under the table <laughs> just carry on with the session <laughs> uh, good times yeah sometimes you know we, we were used to stay up 24 hours straight uh, and when I was an editor you needed to lay out everything and the printer was not working and you need to correct and proofread the, the journalist articles and sometimes the journalists were late with the deadlines so you were like okay I'm gonna be done by 2 but it ends up being six in the morning and at seven AM you need to go printing. So yeah, it was it was pretty intense. Yeah. The thing but that like I'm really kinda happy that like I used those superpowers while I had them because I could not handle that shit right now. Like I really couldn't. <laughs> Sleep is way too precious for that shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I know there's this whole thing about alcohol and stuff in UIP, but it's almost as if you don't need it. You're so tired that you will have all of the effects that you would want to have from that anyway. You just just do your UIP stuff and you, you will be fine, which I, I guess is also another reason why we are discussing a lot more about consent, a lot more about other kind of issues coming up, because when everyone's in this stage of tiredness, like how vulnerable that makes everyone and then how, how how it does make everyone make so many fuck ups which at least allows us to do episodes like this so i guess you <laughs> know look at look at the look at the bright thing true I, I remember in um there was this uh cypriot session in 2011 and I, i'd never been invited back to cyprus after this session i, I understand why i mean I, I wasn't the i wasn't the greatest person there it was my first time as an official i was a media team member i think i saw my bed on the fourth night because every day i would pass out in the lobby of the four-star hotel <laughs> and then the staff would go to the august and be like can, can, can you do something with him <laughs> and they're like again i'm like yeah i'm sorry and there was one night that, um, I think it was the last night, we lost our keys. Or, or we, we, me and my friend, we, we, we locked our key inside our room or something. And this was at like two, three o'clock in the morning. So then we go down to reception and we're trying to, we, we, we're there almost having a conversation between ourselves, imagining that the receptionist is there, but there is no receptionist. Because at that time, we're like almost imagining that person's there in order to get us that key. We thought that would work, but for some reason that didn't work. So we decided that we just looked at each other and we jumped over the reception things and basically oh, invaded God. the keys and started trying to get oh, some wow. of the keys. But then our hands was like slip across the keys and we just knocked all of them on the floor. And um, we think we then found the master key. We then took the master key, we said we're borrowing it, went into the lift, but 
it was you know those moments where you wait for the lift for 20 seconds it feels like two hours and so yeah. the second that the lift actually opened we just ran into the lift i ran a bit too hard into the buttons and knocked one of them off jesus what the <laughs> fuck <laughs> I don't know. But the cool thing is I then kept that button. And so the other guy, Gavril, um, who was my partner in crime during all of that, and he was the one like taking care of me and like actually bringing me to bed sometimes and changing my clothes if I pass out or stuff. He, he, he was the one looking after me. He lives here in London now. And, and over the past few years, I'm the one who looks after him. So it's cool. We, we've had a role, role reversal. But then uh, a few a few years down the line, it was his birthday, and then uh, I I still had the uh, the button from the uh, from the lift Aww. that fell off. So I put it in a little envelope and sent it over to him in Cyprus for his birthday, and that was cute. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. But it's funny how how badly we 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 mess about with property. Like we, we we just don't think at that time. We're so tired, maybe under substance or whatever. And then you just start doing stupid stuff and the next day you're like, Oh crap, we, we really no. damaged that. With but talking about real damage, this is even before my time in EYP, but uh, there was an IS in Latvia way, way, way ago. And um one of the delegates, so this they weren't apparently even drunk because this was a GA morning, so in the GA venue. They went into this really old historic building and there's these two lamps on like, like inside, but they're like, all these funny, like pillars, I guess, whatever. And uh, yeah, some, some delegate decided to climb that shit, smashed it. And that's, that was a historical one, like two centuries old, apparently. So since that session, uh, two things happened. One in that building. Now, one of them is a replica. The other one's a real one, right? Because the original one was smashed. Two, uh, a lot of UIP sessions were starting to get insured, <laughs> which is like, ah, we need we need that insurance, y'all. This is not, we can't just risk it. But yeah, yeah sad. Although personally, I think I haven't broken anything apart from like, and you know, beds, and not always the way you think. Just like seven people sitting on it, someone jumps on to like grab hug and just like smashes through the bed. And you're like, nah, okay, fair, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> in 2011 i was in uh it was about no, yeah 2011 2012 my first my first chairing experience uh my first chairing experience in this french national session um I, I was mainly hanging out with media team uh, me and the media team were like party and stuff in the media room and then most of them left at about two three in the morning me and one other person um we stayed there to like 4 30 or maybe five something like this and it was on a uh, it was on a Sunday night or something, and we basically wrecked the media room. We started drawing on all the flip charts and stuff like this, and yeah, okay, that that got kind of bad. But then uh, we're like, okay, it's probably time to go to bed. Okay, let's go. And um, we go into the lift to then go up, and then she tells me that she's afraid, she's a bit claustrophobic, and she kind of feels a bit bad in that lift. The thing is, I, I was very drunk at the time, and when you hear something like that, you take that as a challenge. <laughs> so You're a I bad jumped. Person, <laughs> You're a bad I jumped, and the lift got blocked in Paris oh, on a Sunday oh, night at five o'clock in the morning. And we're like, no! <laughs> we got stuck between two floors, and the lift would open for like three centimeters. And we could be uh, like, people, help us! <laughs> it took hours <laughs> for them to send an engineer over to fix it. 
<laughs> and she just Damn. looked at me and she was like, really? I'm like, I'm sorry. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Once there was a session in Belgium and I was chilling with one of my friends in the journey team. Um, and he decided he wanted to have a smoke. Uh, and it was 4 a.m. And he was like, I, want, I really want to smoke. And I was like, yes, let, let's go outside. And he was like, no, but I'm, you know, I'm tired. I'm chilling here with my drink. I want to smoke inside. So what he did was to dismantle the fire alarm. So he went up and on the sit sitting on the table and he unscrewed uh, the fire alarm. But what he didn't know is that if you do that, the fire brigade, brigade still comes. Uh, so after a few minutes, the fire brigade arrives and then the guy entered the room and he was asking me if we were all fine. <laughs> we're like, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, he was like, yes, we, we heard like the, the fire alarm went, went on and we're like, no, that everything is fine here. And we were hiding the piece had been unscrewed. And as soon as the guy went out, it, my friend went against screwing the thing. So it was it was pretty random. <laughs> did did you guys at least get away with a lie or? Yes, absolutely. We were very nice. convincing. Um, maybe it was you know the tiredness and a bit of drinks that made us strong and convincing. No, but I remember this. Like I think it was. I don't remember exactly where. Somewhere in the east, one of the sessions where we entered the hotel. Uh, I think it was Ukraine. And like the fire alarms, they weren't unscrewed. Someone had just taped them shut. <laughs> just, just as we enter a room, you're like, "Oh, yeah, okay, so we can smoke here. All good." Uh, <laughs> it's a that's one of one way to like you could unscrew it. You can just tape it shut. That actually worked. Nothing actually kicked in because we would be smoking in that room. Uh, not proud, obviously, but good times. Good times. <laughs> Like, these stories are, are funny for everyone in the session outside of the orga team. They're like, why yeah. are you people doing this? Like, <laughs> literally, can you just behave for a few days? <laughs> yeah, head organizing once gave me a very different attitude towards how I handle hotels and venues and everything. Just like, okay, I mean, this sounds funny, but I don't want an HO to deal with this for four hours tomorrow. So let's not. <laughs> It has been nice. Uh, good stories, good stuff. Uh, let's we can do this without the recording as well. Sometimes.